We want to start today, subjectively speaking, by providing a content warning to folks who may not want to hear conversations about the overturning of Roe versus Wade by the Supreme Court and the precedents set by the previous ruling. If this is something that you would like to skip past, we have included a timestamp in the episode of when we continue our normal conversation. Take care of yourselves, and we love you. Hey, Fifth Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What is up, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And Laura, it's like old times again. We're recording an episode on the day that it's getting released, which means that the Blue Jackets can't hose us and do something in the next hour and a half because, friends, it's 10.45 a.m. This is a quick um, record, produce, and release episode. So if anything happens between now and 12 o'clock, I have some words for some people who probably don't care to hear them. So we'll hope for the best. But Laura, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday? Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm always the downer whenever you yeah, ask me. Stop this. asking. <laughs> no, um, you know, my uh, personal life is general chaos, and then um, the world, my world, is on fire. So as for many um, in our country right now, so. Um, not great, but something that um, brings me joy is doing this show every week with you. So I'm happiest in this space. Well, I am very glad to hear that because I am also happiest in this space. I am currently in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, which is quite the time. And I uh, am at a conference. So I uh, found some time in the conference schedule to finally be able to record, which is really exciting. So I'm very happy about that. I do want to show you something. And I think it's just stupid. So I want to talk about it. There okay. is a, there's a clock. I don't know. Do you see it? A clock tower? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this clock tower is um, pretty, like not old, old. It's like 1910s, like those kind of deals. So about, about 100 years old or over 100 years old. And I find it interesting that you have been in Baltimore for three days and you know so much about a clock tower, but okay, because, continue. Because I had to look it up because there are letters on the clock face and mm-hmm. I could not figure out what it spelled. And it says Bromo Seltzer. And it's not like a seltzer, like an alcohol, like an alcoholic seltzer. It mm-hmm. might have alcohol and I actually don't know, but it was founded in like the early 1900s to cure headaches. And I was like, they put that on the face of a clock tower and it's been occupying a lot more of my brain space than I care to admit over the course of the last couple of days. As you can tell everyone, Jeremy's clearly taking in a lot of information at this conference that he's at. Yeah. It's if, it, if I'm not learning about assessment in higher education and student success, I am learning about <laughs> the clock tower landmarks. <laughs> of Baltimore. And I, I mean, it is a really pretty city. I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's the first time I've ever been here. Uh, and so I'm trying my best to eat as much seafood as possible, which actually, Laura, I feel like you'll think is gross for me because I'm not really a seafood person. But do you know what I think I realized? Hmm. I think I realized that I, I didn't really grow up a seafood person because I'm from Ohio. Like, like seafood in Ohio is not great. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's fine. Like, there are yeah. places that have decent seafood, but it's like overall, right? Like, 
it's not like it's i mean you go to a restaurant here and it's like half of the menu is seafood whereas like we went like when we go to restaurants in ohio it's like half of the restaurant is beef like it's like beef yeah. and <laughs> so unless, unless you're eating like ohio fish like perch and stuff like that which i have because my stepfather is an avid fisher person um fisher person you know, <laughs> we're not exactly like known for fresh like seafood so that makes sense that you wouldn't necessarily be um due to land restrictions but I'm glad that you're exploring your horizons. Have you had anything that's like notable since you've been there? Or yeah. like kind of seafood that you have never tried before? I thought I haven't tried before, but last night we had, so yesterday I was actually like my seafood day for the most part. We'll see if I'm that adventurous for the rest of the trip. Um, but I had a, at lunch, which was like actually like the, the most hellacious event of my life. And I'll fill you in um, <laughs> off the air. But we had, like a half it was like a pick two kind of vibe and i had a crab chowder which was really lovely and uh half of a sandwich but then for dinner i had an 18 dollar shrimp appetizer that when we ordered it we were like this is a bad idea like this is not a good idea it's 18 dollars <laughs> for four shrimp <laughs> and why then, was it 18 dollars did it have gold leaf on it oh listen but when they brought it out it was like big old shrimp it wasn't like you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, like, the shrimp that I think we're probably used to. It was, like, big boy shrimp. And it came with, like, a loaf of, like, a little loaf of bread because it was in this, like, sauce. Divine. So good. And then I had uh, Bayou pasta for dinner, which had shrimp, uh, sausage, and chicken in it, which was lovely. But I have to tell you that I have beef with the fact that, like, you don't take the shrimp tail off in, like, a pasta dish or things like that. Like, when shrimp's on its own, I'm cool with that. But, like, it's so hard to eat. And I know you have to keep on the tail because of the flavor. But it just yeah. kills me. It just makes me very sad. So I've, I had some trouble with, with the shrimp in the pasta. Well, yeah, because it turned your what once was, like, a strictly fork-related meal into, like, a finger food type situation because you or have pasta. to... For pasta, yeah. yeah. Like, and it's saucy, right? Like, so, like, the tail, like, it slips, and you're like, oh, my God, I cannot figure this out to save my life, but it is what it is. But, you know, Baltimore is good. I have to say we originally had planned to potentially – so I, I think, like, I know that Baltimore and D.C. are close. Like, I knew that, but I didn't realize, like, how much of, like, a commuter culture there is from Baltimore to – DC because obviously like living in DC is like astronomically expensive and all of that kind of stuff. And so we had planned to go to Washington DC at some point during the week, but the Supreme court has decided that it is going to just absolutely dismantle every protection and freedom of pretty much every person in, in the country in some way or another over the course of the next few years. And so uh, I feel like it would be inappropriate for us not to say something about it because I don't know if you all have met us before, but we really don't do well at not saying things about things that we think are unjust. And so here we are <laughs> talking about things that we feel are unjust. And if you don't like it, it's really okay if you don't listen to our show. But I... We actually to. prefer if you don't. Yeah, and that's like, you know what? There are plenty of other things that you can take in, and that is a-okay, and, like, we want you to. Um, but, like, I 
it just feels like this strange, and I know in a lot of ways this is like coming from a place of privilege to say this, but it feels like just a, a, such a strange time in American history where it feels like the rollbacks of so many protections of folks um, are just like, it's just like one after another after another, right? Like, you know, even just outside of the obvious, you know, the obvious case that we're talking about with, with the overturning of Roe versus Wade uh, in the Dobbs decision that the Supreme Court released on Friday, even just on Monday, the Supreme Court, I believe it was Monday, the days are just running together at this point. Um, you know, <laughs> the Supreme Court protecting, um, you, you know, kind of like making a ruling on the separation of church and state in public schools and things like that. Like, I mean, like, it just feels like this very strange dystopian time in a very activist court which is ironic to me because, <laughs> because the people who have been mad about the Supreme Court um, for the last 10 years uh, always com complained that the court was an activist court. And um, this is one of the more activist courts in recent memory. And so I'm just really struggling as somebody who like studied constitutional law and has a degree in political science and all this kind of stuff and understanding like what is going on in, in the country. And I what boggles my mind is we talk about like, uh, you know, systems are broken, systems are this, systems are that. And one of the keynotes this this week said, no, they're not. <laughs> the systems aren't broken. The systems were designed to do this. The systems were intentionally designed to be this way, and they're working. And that's actually the scarier reality than being able to chalk this up to a broken system. So uh, obviously, I have a lot of thoughts and opinions on this, but I don't know that it's always the space for a white man to to have all of these thoughts in space when when there are other voices to be heard. Yeah, and I mean, anytime I think a man speaks out in support of women, I think it's important. But I think what's even more important right now is women speaking up for themselves. Um, and I should preface that, like, I would be super pissed off about this regardless, but... Um, I myself am going through a lot of health related situations right now where I have to be able to um, speak on my own behalf. I have to be able to advocate for certain things um, and am already a person that has faced like discrimination when it comes to a health related issue or experience. And now to be told by my government that I no longer have autonomy over my own body um, is really, really heartbreaking. And I myself am a very educated person in the structures in which our government is made up of, um, the reasons why these laws and um, certain situations are important because you can't call yourself the land of the free when you're not actually free. Um, what the Supreme Court said on Friday is I am now a second class citizen. Anyone who owns a uterus is a second class citizen because you no longer have the right to choose what to do with your own body, which makes you not have the same amount of rights as 
the men in this country. Um, and what makes me furious is the people that are celebrating this decision are the same people that demanded their body, their choice when they were simply asked to wear a mask over their face in the middle of a global pandemic, when they were simply asked to get a vaccine that would save lives. Because let's remember, this is the thing that they're touting. This is all about saving lives. No, what's going to happen in this situation is that women are going to die. People who have uteruses, who are forced to have children that they don't want to or are not able to get life-saving procedures that they need will die. And I'm sure this probably isn't the place most people would think to have this conversation, but as a woman, as someone who has a uterus, as someone who now has to rethink her plan for potential, (laughs) sorry, for potential motherhood, I am furious. Yeah. People are using their religion to dictate the lives of millions of Americans unjustly. They are not the supremest order in this land any longer. And we'll get back to talking about hockey, but you should know that if you don't stand on this side, we don't want you to listen to our show. I think, and this is the piece, right, where I'm like, I <clears throat> I think people see this as like an issue of like birth control and this and the other. Like it's literally not, right? Like it's literally like what you said. Like it's like But they're coming out with contraception now too. True. This is it'll be what's next, absolutely. But I, I think like when I contemplate the the arguments or the thoughts about abortion or things like that, like it just blows me away that like people think that like abortion is something that people enter into with glee like i think like people think that abortion is something that people are excited to have like you know what i mean like it just blows my mind like it blows my mind that people don't hear the stories of the people who which are the overwhelming majority of stories of folks who have abortions that talk about it being the hardest decision they ever made but they would die if they didn't have it but their child was already dead like was already dead in the womb but you know that they had to give stillbirth. Like it's things like that that blow me away when we talk about this. And, you know, I, I think that this is absolutely the place to have this conversation because we're in community with one another and we love one another, but part of that means that we have to challenge one another. <laughs> and I think that we have always been a place to do that. And I hope that we always will continue to be a place to do that. And like Laura said, if you're really not into that, I'm sorry, but I'm really not. <laughs> so, um, the one thing that I know for a fact though, that, most people are in agreement on when they're listening to this show is that you are a fan of Columbus Blue Jackets. And we obviously do have some things that we want to talk about with the Jackets. Um, they really, thankfully, because the rest of the world didn't heed this memo, um, yeah. the Blue Jackets didn't really give us any news this week in terms of like actual, like on ice future things. And so I personally am happy for that because life has been just as chaotic as we've just described. But uh, the only real news uh, was that the the team will be hosting a draft party uh, once again this year. This year they're doing that uh, at the Easton Pins, and that's going to be on Thursday the seventh. Um, I believe it's from six to nine. Yes, from six to yeah. nine at the Pins Easton location. Um, they have put out like a 
brief uh, schedule of things. Um, not really one specific times, but like, um, like there will be some players there. Um, I believe it's Sean Corrali, um, Elvis, and oh, Nick Blankenberg. I think might be the other one. Um. Yeah. Let's say that. <laughs> I think it's Nick. I think it's Nick, John Crowley, and Elvis. So, uh, so there will be some players there. Obviously, Stinger will be there. There'll be lots of opportunity. I believe they're going to have some like contests going on. Um, And as per usual, you you will be able to watch and listen to the draft. Um, And there will be obviously several representatives from the Columbus Blue Jackets in Montreal in person. Um, for the draft so it will be exciting to see if we who we choose at number six and number 12 and if we use either of those picks to move ourselves up in the lineup but we will be there so um, if you are around and see us we would love to say hi um, and you know get to meet some of our lovely listeners Um, but should be a fun time yeah, absolutely. And it is all ages. It's not, you don't have, it's not like, since it's a bar, it's not like 21 and up. So you can bring your kiddos. No, you can. And Pins is fun. Pins is a good time. It's going to be interesting to see all the, all the Jackets fans do what they do um, at a place like Pins. So it'll be fun. The other, I guess, small note of news that the team had um, was that they extended their affiliation with the their ECHL affiliate, the Kalamazoo Wings. So um, the K-Wings will continue to be the ECHL affiliate, which that really, I mean, will focus a lot on on Cleveland, right? Like any other guys who are signing Cleveland on like two-way deals between Cleveland and uh, Kalamazoo will, will be affected by that. So some future Blue Jackets probably in the mix of that conversation but it's going to be a lot of fun to see how that goes. And I'm personally selfishly excited about that because Kalamazoo is only like 45 minutes to an hour away from, from where I yeah, live. Yeah, so it's, so it's, it it's an easy place for you to go and see some perspective monsters since you will be covering um, them for field pass hockey. Exactly. I'm very excited about it. But y'all didn't come here to – well, maybe you did. Maybe you did come here to talk about the monsters and the Kalamazoo wings. Y'all came here to talk about the Blue Jackets. And I – cannot stress enough my producer brain um how excited i am that we are about to give you our final uh player reviews this is the final episode in our player review series we're moving on to a lot more fun things which we can't talk about right now but we uh will certainly talk about it at some point and laura will tell you where you can find that later in the show but uh we're here to talk about the final five players on our list and laura it's a good batch. It's a really good batch today. We're going to have a lot of really good conversations. We've only got two mirror balls to look back into uh, on this episode. So not too much of our previous content going to make its way to this episode. But folks, this group is fun. And hey, we actually listened to our previous episode this time. So we can tell you whether we or not we were. Laura listened to it. I personally just found the notebook that I had from when we did this last time or when we did this the first time and so i personally just cheated and looked at this but um, well i re-listened to it last night so actually funny i told laura i said oh my god i have a surprise for you for when we record and then last night she texted me she goes i re-listened to the episode i was like damn it the surprise was that i found the notebook (laughs) 
And I was just trying to be helpful because he's been at a conference and I was like, let me do this for him. But no, that was very kind. That was very kind. And I appreciate that. But what you can do for me instead, well, I guess in addition to, is tell me about our first player that we're talking about today. Our first player is none other than number 70, Jonas Corpusalo. He is 28 years old. Um, he played 22 games, had seven wins, 11 losses, uh, zero overtime. Um, his goals allowed on average is 4.15, and his save percentage is 0.877 on the season. Ow. That's <laughs> <laughs> a bad number. Um, but, I mean, that all – those numbers are bad in a vacuum, but we all know some of the context that is related with that performance. Obviously, some injuries, illness, being thrown into bad situations, a lot of really, again, just not a great Blue Jackets defensive core when you look at the amount of goals that were given up and a lot of the plays that really were not <laughs> the fault of, of players like Jonas Corpusala or Elvis Merzlikens, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. But yeah, I, I, you know, I, do you remember the time when the biggest conversation about Jonas Corbisalo was what was going to happen with his Finnish, um, his Finnish service, like in military service? In mm-hmm. Military. I wonder where that goes because, as we all know, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets obviously extended Jonas Corbisalo's contract for another year, and so that. Um, I feel like I read somewhere that his hip surgery that he had to have now, I think, makes, oh. makes him not have to do it. We love, we, I mean, we don't love that, but we love that <laughs> for him. Like, um, obviously not ideal that he had to have a hip surgery, but um, still nevertheless, good for him. Good for him for <laughs> being able to get out of that for at least another year, if not longer. But as I do, I usually rely on some analytics, especially with goaltending. I like goaltending for me is like hard, right? Because you can't really like I couldn't tell you the first thing about what it's like to be a goaltender. And terrifying. Well, and yeah, no, for sure. Like I would never be able to, but I always look at like expected goals saved above or saves above expected when I think about goaltending, because that basically will tell you like was the goalie performing at the level that analytics say that he should based on the expected goal percentage of the other team. And gotta be honest with you. It's not great for Jonas Corposalo. He gave up um, 13.2 more goals than expected over the course of the season, which, you know, again, over the course of the season, he played in 22 games. So that's probably, that's good for about almost, well, halfway to a goal per game that was given up that maybe shouldn't have been. And obviously in some of these games that matters and some of the games it did not matter if there was just one additional goal, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's not great. You, you obviously want to see better than that. Um, Yeah. 0.7 is essentially like goals per game above expected. So obviously you want to see better for him, but everything else, I mean, looked pretty decent, right? Like expected save percentage on unblocked shots was uh, 939. So Things could have been worse. Yeah, they definitely could have been worse. But, and, you know, we've talked about it at length in previous episodes. But, you know, this was just not Corpy's year. Like, 
if you wanted to have a poster child for hurdles just being thrown at someone, like this was was Corpy's situation. I mean, he was already coming into a a tough tandem situation with Elvis. Um, the you know conversation about his contract coming up, like all that, just leading up to the start of the season, and then as we've said before, he was first sidelined with minor injuries and then some major injuries. He had a lung infection. He then got COVID and then just ultimately a season ending necessary um, hip surgery that just really was the cherry on top of what I assume he would say, like the most challenging year of his career by far. Um, And I hope, you know, we've said previously that we hope that with this one-year contract extension that he is able to prove to everyone that he is still a high-level goaltender. Um, And while the relationship with the Blue Jackets may be not waning um, because of, you know, not liking him, but like, waning because of the circumstances that we're in and still allow him to move on um, to another situation that will allow him to, to continue to play. Cause he's only 28 years old. Goalies don't like, they are really like the late bloomers out of all positions. So I still think Corpy's like prime is still awaiting us. Yeah. And I think, I think there's probably been a change in, expectations for him which I don't think is a bad thing like I think that a lot of people saw him as this piece of the puzzle that was going to end up being like the guy who brought us something else it was like this year Corpy has to be really good so we can trade him and so we can get good things for him now I think when the focus shifts more to the player and his recovery from an injury and him playing a pivotal role on this team, which will be serving as pretty much like the backup goaltender, right. Is going to be really useful for him. I think it's going to help him to reestablish his role in the league. I think a lot of people you talk to outside of the blue jackets fandom might have said, you know, I don't know that this guy's going to resign in North America because he had such a, a difficult year. And I mean, he's putting up numbers that would pretty much warrant, you know, an exodus from the NHL and maybe even the AHL. And so I think to be able to have a year to kind of recalibrate the expectations for him as a player is going to be good. And I think too, like the commentary has always been that both Elvis and Corpy have really struggled when they're not getting consistent starts. He's not going to get consistent starts. That's not going to be a part of the equation. And I think this is the first time in this tandem situation where that's not the case or or a possibility. And because of that, I wonder if that's going to also shift the expectations that he has on himself. Right. And he's going to have to train. He's going to have to prepare to be able to enter situations cold, having not played eight to 10 games, having not, you know, you know, having to come off of the bench. If somebody gets pulled, like he's going to have to get used to that. He's not going to be able to play back-to-back games. You know what I mean? So it's going to be a fascinating thing to see if he can, if he can overcome that. Uh, but I'm rooting for him. I know you are too. He's a guy that I think deserves a lot of respect in Columbus. And I think for the most part, there's a lot of respect given to him in Columbus. And so I'm excited to see what this next season holds for him. Did you have any other commentary on Corpy before we hopped into the grades? 
No, I think I am, you know, like you said, we both are Corpy, big Corpy fans on this show. And it'll be interesting and fun, I think, to see how this next year goes for him. And we're obviously wishing him the best. And we hope that it is a useful and like positive adjustment and transition for him. Absolutely. So what would you say your grade is for the Blue Jackets Tendy? Oh, this one's so hard because mm-hmm. of just everything, like everything we just said. Um, and cause really like things aren't necessarily his fault. Right. And like you said, our defensive breakdown also makes it complicated because if our defense isn't working out well, that puts an added level of pressure on our goaltenders. And so I think I'm going to go with for everything that he went through and for the seven wins that he did get us, I'm going to go with a C because there's room to grow. I think for me, it goes back to what's my criteria. It's always C is my expectation he underperformed my expectations. Like there's no denying that. Like it is just reality. He had a bad year to give it anything less than a D in my opinion is probably a little generous. So I'm going to go with a D on my side of things, but recognizing again, that there are a lot of things in his way that made this season far more challenging than he would have expected that anybody would have expected. And there's room for that conversation as well. Um, Giving him a D doesn't mean that I don't appreciate all of that as well, but we will be right back to our action and our end of year reviews for all of our players. But first, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So if you're like us and you're bummed that the season is over for the for the NHL and you're really looking forward to next season already, maybe throw some money down on, on the Cincinnati Reds or maybe, maybe take a stab at the Cleveland Guardians. The possibilities really are endless with DraftKings Sportsbook. You're going to want to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. You've got a player up next, Laura, that we really super did not think that we would have to talk about at any point uh, in our player reviews up until um about early april so let's talk about him yeah so sorry our uh next player is number 77 nick blankenberg um he is 24 years old he played in seven games which equated to one goal two assists three points overall he was negative three on the plus and minus and had four penalty minutes 
And he, I, my first sentence in my little notes about him is the end of the season regs to Rich's story that nobody knew what to expect from. Yeah. And I, I love your little one line sentences <laughs> about these players. Uh, I think with him, I, first of all, need to get this off my chest, blame him uh, for my fantasy hockey loss because I had picked him up for the last few games of the season because he was in the games he played was a really valuable fantasy hockey player. He got quite a few points from just the hits and from, you know, his block shots and even, you know, registering a few points here and there. I was devastated when he was injured the last two games of the season. And so also meant that I didn't get a chance to see him live, which also was a bummer, but I think it's just such an exciting story. I think we talk about like this blue jackets defensive core, which I continue to have to reflect on because I see a lot of commentary about like the defensive core being pretty weak and things of that nature. And it's fascinating because like when you think about it and you process it, we have all these players that we're excited for, but I don't know that I can make a super solid argument that like, even if those players develop to where we think that we're going to be like this great defensive core. But when I think about a player like Nick Blankenberg, like he is to me kind of like, your idealistic third pair defenseman that is going to be really useful in key moments and is not going to be a liability. Like he's going to develop into a player that can score a goal or two here and there. And he's going to be a really good, good asset on our special teams, especially in moments of injury. Like I'm excited about Nick Blankenberg. Obviously he doesn't have a contract for next season. I don't worry about that at all yet. But he's a player that I think is going to be a useful piece for the Jackets. And I don't hate I don't hate the idea of him maybe starting the season in Cleveland. Like I don't hate that because I think that that could be really useful for him as well to be able to have some really because I think about like the Cleveland, you know, defensive core, like you think about like a top pairing of like Jake Christensen and him. Like that would be developmental for both of those guys to be able to play those minutes together as a first pair defense defensive pair. Um, and so I'm excited to see what materializes of that, but obviously a really great season for him. He became this like story that I think people really latched onto. Like, I think people really, I mean, the moment that he scored his first NHL goal, um, you know, things like that, that were just so exciting and you felt it like even when you watched it on TV, like I had to, like you felt the excitement in Nationwide Arena whenever that kid had the puck, whenever he got an assist, whenever he got a goal. And I'm really excited to see what's in store for him. Yeah, I think, I mean, you you kind of summed it up beautifully. Like it was interesting. And I think we talked about this in previous episodes, but like it was interesting in a season where we we like knew pretty early on we weren't going to go to the playoffs and like typically you see like some fall off from the fans as the season gets towards the end if we're not going to the playoffs and if like we're just not like doing well um but there was like a a really lovely like reignition um in the fan community for um, I think initially it it started out as just um, a, a renewed interest because Kent Johnson, our like, you know, highly acclaimed draft pick from last summer, like was finally coming. And then you find out the day that Kent signs his contract that 
oh, this, you know, his, his teammate came out of the woodwork and is now also getting a contract as well. And you're kind of like, well, who is this kid? Like, obviously he was the captain at Michigan and like stuff like that, but you know, he wasn't really on the rate. I mean, he was on the radar obviously of our recruiting staff, but like not really on any, like, unless you really follow college hockey, like not really on the radar for most blue jackets fans. And, you know, so I think that kind of intrigued a lot of people. And then of course you hear his story of how he has had to come overcome adversity and like really work for, you know, every position that he's held within the hockey world and like, you know, was still bound and determined to graduate, um, was doing homework on the bus, like all these sorts of things. Um, And then to see him come to the rink and really choose that this was his time to prove that even though he was undrafted, he deserves a place in the NHL, AHL, like, world. And he did that tenfold. And people really got behind him. Like, just really. I mean, unfortunately, we were both not there in the arena when he scored his first goal. Um, But like Jeremy said, you could feel. I mean, I have never experienced, like, experienced, I think maybe with Cole, but, like, in this season, anyone scoring their first, like, goal, the arena has not erupted in the way that it did for Nick Blankenberg. And, like, that's really just, like, something to to think on and, like, think about how more and more fans are now starting to get excited about these young new guys that we have coming in and this, like, process that we have with this rebuild or retool or whatever you want to call it. Like, um, so that's really exciting. And Nick, I mean, for seven games, like, I think it was a pretty good, um, pretty good showing. Um, obviously we would have wished Jeremy wishes that he could have finished out the season for his fantasy team. So I guess I should thank him because he didn't play. Um, but, <laughs> Um, but I hope to see and continue to see some great things from him um, and hopefully a contract sometime over the summer or during camp or whatever. Yeah, one of my peak off the ice moments for the team this year was seeing Nick Blankenberg with the written out, handwritten degree from the University of Michigan that he held up. Like, that was really fun. Speaking of people who graduated from the University of Michigan, Jack Johnson, 13 years later, 18 years later, I can't remember what. But also, we haven't talked about the fact that the Avs won the Stanley Cup. We can talk about that, I guess, in a little bit. But, um, yeah, I I love Nick Blankenberg. I think he's going to be a lot of fun for this team. And I remember I was confused when I went and saw – the Michigan game, because it's, like, one of those things where you see, like, okay, this guy's the captain of this team. And so I, like, looked it up to see, like, who he had been drafted by, and I, like, knew he was an undrafted free agent, but I, I had, like, almost no, like, expectation for him to be a Blue Jacket, but I am certainly glad that he is. But there's also somebody else who I'm sure I'm glad is a Columbus Blue Jacket, and uh, that's going to be the next player on your really? list, except for the fact that we're going to give uh, Nick Blankenberg a grade first. Good job, um, yeah, I'm so sorry that you host a podcast with somebody who's neurodivergent and doesn't care about structure. I, I couldn't give a fuck about structure. I don't care about it. I'm also neurodivergent, but care a lot about structure. So why sometimes we don't work. <laughs> That's true. But I think 98% of the time we're pretty good. 
This is true. So do you have, would you like to go first with grades since I went first with Corpy? I mean, I think it's like, if, we, if we're sticking to the script, right? Like part of me feels like we have to give him an incomplete, like, because we did that with other players who played the same amount of games as him. But um, I mean, like I had no expectations for him. Like, do you know what I mean? So that's like, what's hard, right? To like give a grade because I quite honestly, like thought he might play a couple games and then like be sent back down to Cleveland. Like I had zero expectations for, for Nick Blankenberg today, but I'm, I'm, or this season, but I'm glad that um, things worked out the way they did. So I'll give him, do you want to agree on an incomplete or should we give him a grade? Did we give Kent Johnson a grade? I think so. I wanted to give him an incomplete, but you pressured me. Um, I did. <laughs> he did play less games than Kent Johnson though, because he got hurt. Um, but he yeah. did score a goal. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Let's give him a B. I'll give him a B for Blankenberg. I will also give him a B. Okay, great. Elvis Merzlikens. <laughs> I want to take that. I, I'm taking that from you, so that way. <laughs> wow. Wow. That was just aggressive. Do you remember why I said I don't care about structure? Mm-hmm. I, I see that now. You can follow um, us on Twitter at... <laughs> oh, my God. I'll punch you through the screen. <laughs> Uh, so, yes, our next player is number 90, Elvis Merzlikens. Jeremy always makes fun of me because I incorrectly you didn't write that. That was good. I, I practiced, actually, before because I add an extra N to his name. But it's okay. I'm working on it. Um, so Elvis is also 28 years old, same as Corpy. Um, he played in 59 games this season, had 27 wins, 23 losses, seven overtimes his um goals allowed on average was 3.22 and his save percentage was 0.907 for the season yeah and elvis kind of just like diving right in here right like what a season for the guy like in terms of everything that happened to him off the ice before the season followed by you know everything that happened on the ice during the season and obviously having his challenges and, and, and having to be the guy for the blue jackets. I mean, he played 59 games, 59. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously that's a, ton for a goalie. That's a, that's a lot for, yeah. I mean, it's definitely in the upper half of the league in terms of how many games he played. And, you know, while a lot of those numbers might not sound as sexy, I think as people would want them to, he still ends up like, I think it was a little bit over four goals saved above expected. So like he actually ends up in the positive. Right. Uh, and a lot of that came from some of these games where he just stood on his head. Like he was just so good for this team in so many moments. And I think, especially when you look at the first part of the season, when you look at the jacket success, I think a lot of that is um, predicated on the success of Ellis Merzlikens in the first handful of games. And so I can't say enough about, about him, about what he is for this team. Obviously, I know a lot of people have questions about what the future looks like in goal with a lot of prospects such as Daniil Tarasov. But when it comes down to it, this is a guy who is so crucial for the success of this team, both on and off the ice. And I would be remiss if I didn't say that. Like, I think he is so important to this team. I think his season was really important to this team. He's candid in a way that I think a lot of hockey players aren't. I think I really appreciate that. His personality is everything to this team. And I am 
as you all know, a very big Elvis Merzlikens fan, but I'm probably not as big of an Elvis Merzlikens fan as you are. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to hear um, my like first sentence in my, um, in my little note thing? Um, if, I say, if I say no, what will you do? Still do it. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> yes, um, of course I do. So it says Elvis filled a void in my hockey heart after a roller coaster of a season that started with a devastating tragedy and ended with the motivation to push himself further than ever before. Um, because this was the most consecutive games that Elvis has ever played in his career in the NHL. And you could tell that it was his drive and his decision to push himself. I mean, I'm sure the coaching staff also agreed with this decision, but it was really important for the future of Elvis in this number one goalie spot that he get the, get the experience of playing multiple games back to back to back to back to back. And as fans, I think the more like, um, like less invested or like maybe not as like well versed or whatever, like casual, I guess is probably a better way to describe it casual fans would get, I think, frustrated in this circumstance because he was playing back-to-back-to-back-to-back games. He wasn't always doing what Elvis does best in those games. But you have to look at, like, read between the lines with it is, like, what's happening here is Elvis is is building his stamina. He is figuring out what his body needs. He's figuring out what he needed to do in preparation if he's going to play a six-game stretch. Like, and in the schedule that we had this season where things were a little bit more still sort of being affected by COVID, they won't be as much, according to the NHL, they won't be as much in this coming season. Um, But, you know, games were a lot closer together. Travel things were, like, pretty complicated. The, like, pause that the NHL took in December um and like all the games that they had to make up in february like really puts like a weird like stress on their bodies and like how they perform and especially for goalies because let's remember goalies are the only ones that play all 60 minutes of the hockey game um so mm-hmm. you know so yeah maybe he wasn't like his shiny self in some of these circumstances but like he's going to be so much more prepared for this upcoming season and what his like job is going to be that it is a good thing that we let him go through this sort of like up and down situation in order to get him prepared for this upcoming season. So I won't ramble on too long. You all know how much I love Elvis. Like he, (laughs) he is the new heart and soul of this team and I think his loyalty to Columbus is ever present in how he presents himself to the fans, how he presents himself on the team and to the community. And he is dedicated to being a part of the success of this team for as long as he's here. Um, And I think probably for after that as well, um, because I really think he owes, he feels he owes a debt of gratitude to the city of Columbus for how they supported him and um, came around him after the tragedy of last summer. So I love him to pieces and I can't wait to see what this next season brings. 
Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I mean, you are quite honestly my A1 for <laughs> all Elvis Merzlikens feedback. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to it's hard to like grade him because I think I might have come in with like unrealistic expectations. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I you listen to his interview that he did. I want to say. It was on 32 Thoughts. It actually still might have been 31 Thoughts at the time, actually. But he did an interview with, with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick where he said that he was going to win the Vesna this year, right? Like, I mean, like, he was like, I'm, like, winning the Vesna for, um, you know, for Kivy. And, and obviously that doesn't happen. And I'm sure that he is moderately disappointed about that himself. I think that that kind of energy just had me so excited to see what Elvis was going to bring to this season. And I think in a lot of ways, in his defense – the defense <laughs> did not help. And so I, again, with the baseline being a C of my expectations, I, man, it's hard to like, when I say that, it's hard for me to like go much higher than a C, right? Like, because I think my expectations were about what happened. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go with a C on the season, recognizing that he is probably going to be, you know how like in elementary school, they do the like most improved grades come back next season and elvis is probably going to get that for me so um i'm gonna go with the c and i'm excited to hear you tell me why i'm wrong <laughs> i'm not gonna tell you why you're wrong because that is your like how you are grading the players like i understand your structure i don't necessarily like it doesn't match how i grade the players but that's okay we're allowed um to have those these are the kinds of things we're allowed to have differing opinions on. So, um, but yeah, so I'm going to give Elvis a B um, because I think um, in my opinion, he lived up to my expectation knowing as a trauma survivor, this goes back to the emotional part of it as a trauma survivor myself. Like I honestly, like the mere fact that Elvis did not just like, crawl under the covers and just stay there like and instead chose to like honor his his friend and the game that they love together and the position that they love together and like do his damnedest to have an incredible season whether he won the Vesna or not um is far beyond what I expected. Um, do I think that it's the season that he fully wanted for himself? No. Obviously, I think he would have wanted more wins, less losses, would have wanted some stronger defense in front of him. We all wanted that. Um, <laughs> but I think for what occurred and what I hope is to come, I, I'm going to give him a B. Perfect. Well, folks, we're 50 minutes into this episode, and I don't think either one of us is surprised by this because we knew that we would talk a lot about these uh, five players, but we do still have two more to go. And uh, that second one, or the first one of those two, is going to be... Number 93, Jakob Voracek. Amazing. Jake is 32 years old. He is the oldest Blue Jacket as of right now. Um, and he played in 79 games. He had six goals, 
56 assists, uh, which equated to 62 points on the season. He was negative 13 on the plus and minus and had an outstanding 44 penalty minutes. I love a penalty minute. I love a penalty minute. You know that about me. Um, what's your one-liner for him? Um, I started the season trying not to hate him and ended ended it being a big fan of our ginger giant. Not the ginger giant. Um, I Yeah, you did try really intentionally to make sure that you unlearned that hatred for him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Jakovorczyk obviously – so important to this team this year and did exactly what he was supposed to do, right? Like exceeded my expectations, which is maybe like a little bit of a glimpse into like the grade portion of this equation. But I, I just feel like he, first of all, I would like to agree with Patrick line. I wish he would shoot the puck a little bit more, but um, because he finds, the back, he finds back, he finds the back of the net, right? Like he does it. Right. And so I um, always wish that he would shoot a little bit more, but, he creates offense in the way that the team needed him to in order to be a really good partner for Patrick Line. And I think in a lot of ways that was challenging to people, uh, to you, um, when the thought was that losing somebody like Cam Atkinson was simply to, you know, enhance the performance of a player like Patrick Line, who, as we all can kind of get the vibe, probably didn't get along very well with Cam Atkinson. Um, obviously a very challenging thing for you to have to process and move on from, but he did exactly what he was brought in to do. I think for that reason, we're talking about the potential of Patrick Line being a blue jacket for much longer. Like, I don't know if that's the case without that trade. Like I really don't. And I'm not even trying to be over dramatic. Like I think it's real. And so I just can't go on enough about how much I love Jakob Voracek and just being able to see him be a blue jacket again this year was just everything to me. And, you know, he's not a young guy. You mentioned that, but he certainly is able to play with the young guys and was just such a good mentor to all of the young players on this team. And he's been accepted by this team and he has accepted the members of this team in a really powerful way. And I'm really excited to watch that continue to develop as the Blue Jackets continue to bring in uh, a lot of, of these younger guys who have have the desire probably to be mentored by a guy like Jakob Voracek. Yeah, absolutely. And I just double checked. He and Gus are both the oldest. They're both 32. So I don't know when their birthdays are. So there's probably like a month differential uh, between them. But He's not alone in the old guy category um, on the team. But, I mean, honestly, like Jeremy said, I, 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 and as all of you know, no one was more heartbroken about this Cam Atkinson trade than I was. Um, and, you know, and Jeremy said very, very quickly after he told me about Cam's trade, I need you to not outwardly hate Jakob Voracek and I was like I don't know I was like I know it's not his fault and I know it's irrational but to have to see him on our eyes and not see Cam um was very difficult but I very quickly realized how crucial his addition to this team was and I think I even said like in a previous episode we did that like as much as I want Cam back on our team I think that the structure that we have right now the 
um, the players that we have right now, like there's just not a space for him, unfortunately. Um, and I think with, with Jake, there was no longer a space for him in Philadelphia. Um, and so if we had to make a, a, a trade to give two very talented players in very different areas, better opportunities than so be it. I will still hold a grudge that they sent my favorite player away, but it's fine. Um, so no, Jake, like, like Jeremy said, like he's been such a veteran presence. He's been such a mentor and a guide to this super young team. Um, and he knows like he, because he was drafted as a blue jacket and played here for a number of years before he went to Philadelphia. Like he knows essentially, even through coaching staff changes, he knows what the essence is of this team and wanted to come back to Columbus. Um, so I think that says a lot about him as well. And honestly, don't you just love every time they try to ask him a question? And he's like, I don't really want to answer that. Um, <laughs> he is a character, like he has a big personality um and you know he has a great beard which we had been missing for a long time since david savard uh left us yeah those three months without a bearded giant were really hard for all of us i think and i do want to affirm you um only 15 days apart if my math is right um which one's older Jakob Voracek. So uh, he was born on August 15th, and then uh, Gus Nyquist is September 1st. So both of them will actually be 33 this year. So uh, look, out for those, look out for those birthday posts from the Blue Jacket social media team. But, uh, folks, you've missed this part of the show. You've missed it because we've given it to you in every episode of our miniseries, and uh, we haven't gotten a chance to do it yet because we haven't done any of pro- the projections for um, any of the three previous players, but we certainly did for Jakob Voracek, and here is what we had to say. Jake Voracek has got one goal, 27 assists, and 28 uh, total points. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty sizable. I mean, Cam's projected at 66 total, and um, Jake is at 55 total for the season. So, um, are you if going he would only listen, If he would only listen to Patrick Laine and shoot the puck more, we could amp these numbers up a little bit. I'm saying, I'm saying. Do you think he's going to listen to Patrick Laine for the rest of the season? I don't. Probably not. I don't think that Jake can hear anyone through the beard. Um, but, you know, I don't really want to say lower because, honestly, like, we would be in much – I would think – and this is not about Cam. I just think that we would be in much more dire straits without Jake Voracek. So, like, I really think that he's going to take, because he's such, like, a grizzled veteran, I think that he's actually going to play a lot looser in the second half of the season and start having some fun with it because what the hell else are we going to do? Like, and so I think then we're going to start seeing these, like, again, we may not be winning these games that this happens in, but, like, he's still going to get points for it on the score sheet. Um, So I'm going to go higher for Jake because I think he's going to start having some fun. I think he's going to want to start, like, showing these young guns 
certain things, you know. And so, yeah, I'm going higher for Jake. I'm going to go lower. I He's really cooled off. I mean, like, if you look at, at where he was at the first part of the season when the Jackets, I mean, the first 18 games, 12 and 6, um, I mean, he was playing point-per-game pace at the start of the season and for the better part of the first half of the season. Uh, but then he just yeah, tails off, right? Like, um, you know, 28 points in 41 games, obviously, um, you know, as far off of a point per game total. And, you know, maybe he maybe he gets it going again. But part of that has been, like, a lot of his points came on the power play. Our power play has sucked. Our power play has not been good. And if that keeps up, like, I don't think he's going to get his points. I, I think that's where he gets a lot of his points. And, uh, and for that reason, I think he's going to be lower, uh, which might be a little bit of an oxymoron because I think if – if Ollie's higher, I feel like, you know, Jake's going to get a lot of those points. But we'll see. We'll see how it all works out. I'm going to go lower. And Laura gets to ride home in the sunset because Laura was correct. Uh, you know, he ends up definitely exceeding 45 points this – or excuse me, my math was bad – 55 points this season. Uh, so good on you, Laura, for that projection. I am certainly not mad about that projection coming true. Uh, a really, really great season for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was very, I was actually kind of shocked when I was re-listening to it um, that I was correct. Um, you were still probably a little jaded then. Like you still were probably. I a mean, I, bit I gave, yeah, because I think I did say like as much as it pains me, like, oh, because <clears throat> when I re-listened to it, you also uh, tripped me by. You did, yeah. I read Cam's numbers for the season. Um, I and I thought it was Boone Jenner, but it was Cam stats and you were being rude as usual, um, when it comes to Cam, but, um, so yes, yeah, so I do think I was a little bit still jaded midway through the season. Um, Cam hadn't come home yet. Uh, so I was still like anxiously awaiting that circumstance, but so, but yes, I was I was happy to to hear that I was correct in this situation. That you were. Uh, so, you know what? Uh, it's time for parent-teacher conferences. We're talking about grades. Uh, I don't know who the parents are and who the children are at this equation, but uh, I'll go first. I'm going to give him a solid A- minus on the season. I think he did everything that I expected him to do and more. And again, his his play is going to have implications. I think I said it on the interview with Steven, where I was like, we're gonna like when this team wins the Stanley Cup, even if Jakob Voracek is not on this team, like we're gonna look back and he's going to be a part of that reason why they did. And I really firmly believe that. So it's an A minus for me for Jakob Voracek. It's also an A minus for me. Um wow. for, for everything that you said. Um, but also like Again, I agree with Patrick Line. Would love if he would um, shoot the puck just a smidgen more. And he said it too in his like sort of end of the season interview. Like, I want more. He's like, I want my goals and assist number to be closer to each other. Um, and because, I mean, 56 assists is amazing. Um, but I know that he really, because he honestly got. I think five of his six goals after we recorded the first episode. If yeah, I he, only had, he only had one. He was one twenty-seven and twenty-eight. Yeah. So I mean, it really took to the last 
half of the season for him to like really start shooting. Um, so I think a minus hopefully next season, he shoots the puck a little bit more. That is also my hope as well. Well, talk about a player that really jaded us. Uh, I guess didn't jade us, but really proved us wrong, uh, which we'll get to in just a moment. But uh, how about that guy who just put pen to paper for another couple of years? Yes, our last player review is number 96, Jack Roslevic. Uh, he is 25 years old. He played in 81 games, so close, just like so close to playing the whole season, um, which equated to 22 goals, 23 assists, 45 points overall. He was plus two on the plus and minus, and he had 12 penalty minutes. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this before. Um, I, You know what? Can I, throw a, can I throw a curveball into this? Sure. Because so much of what I want to talk about has to do with our projection. So let's start with the projection, and then we'll follow it up with our, our dialogue because I have things to say. Um, so here is that projection. So Jack is 7-11-18 in 42 games played. That's good for 7-10-17 in the second half of the season. This is assuming that he finishes the season as a Columbus Blue Jacket. And so we're just going to assume that he does, and we're going to say whether or not that's higher or lower. And for me, I'm going to go lower. And that's not because of him. It's because I don't think he's going to get a lot of ice time. I mean, if they're putting – again, like this isn't disrespect to Trey Fix-Wolanski or to Brendan Gantz, but like that tells me something, right? Like those – that line is not going to get a ton of playing time. If that line gets 10 minutes on Tuesday, I'll be surprised. And – if that's the trend, if that's where Brad Larson and his coaching staff sees Jack Rosovic, then that's seven ten seventeen is is asking a lot. Yeah, I'm also going lower. I mean, Jack Jack's playing time has been steadily going down, um, basically since the beginning of December. Um, his playing time has really taken a nosedive. Um, I don't know if it's just that. Lars's coaching system there's not a place for Jack um or the place that they were hoping that he would fill he's just not meeting that expectation um Jack has definitely struggled in this second season as a Blue Jacket um he definitely had a much bigger effect on the team last year in his debut season um and it's hard because Again, he's been put out there as potential like trade uh, situation, and you kind of hate to see that because he is a hometown kid. Like, and there was such potential. These these trade deadlines in in the course of COVID and in the course of these weird seasons has really kind of been met with like an extra level of bittersweet because it's like if we had been in normal circumstances, would this player have had these same issues or this same productivity? Like, so, so yeah, I'm also going to say lower for Jack. All right. So I'm pissed. I'm pissed. <laughs> um, Laura and I were talking before the show started and I was looking at the game logs and this, this guy like scored 13 points in his final 10 games. We were off by 10 points. So I mean, he still might have still found a way to get above the number because we both said that he was going to be under. But I 
I have to say that in the 10 games before the last, like in the final 20 games of the season, he had 16 points, which is impressive, of course. But like I said, 13 of those 16 came in the last 10. In the previous 10, he had three points in 10 games. Like he was on pace to make us right. And then he decided that he would like to uh, <laughs> to be better. And he was. And a lot of situations, of course, Im- influence that, right? Obviously, you don't have Boone Jenner in the lineup. And so that changes things. You have an elevation and position for both him and for Cole Sillinger. And you have... I think in a lot of ways, like when hockey starts to become, I don't want to say the word meaningless, but when hockey starts to become like winning and losing becomes a little less important because you know, you're outside of the playoffs. Like I think that gets a little bit easier and I'm glad for him to have been able to get that developmental opportunity to play a little bit higher in the lineup, to have those moments of really great production. You know, obviously we saw him register a hat trick in Detroit. Like that was a lot of fun to watch. He had a four point game that night and he just, wouldn't slow down like he just wouldn't slow down at the end of the season and I really hope that that's something we see from him at the start of next season yeah absolutely I mean I was I was like shocked at how I mean I know 10 points isn't like a huge number but like I was shocked at how wrong we both were um because you know at the time you know at the time you looked at his numbers and you looked at what we had been seeing from him and like the obvious struggles. I mean, he had come up at like, you know, as someone, I don't think there was any real movement on him, but like he had come up as a possibility to like be trade bait at the deadline. And like, you know, it, it wasn't the first time in, in this season on our show that we had said like, Jack Rosselbeck is like not doing Jack Rosselbeck things. And he seems to be struggling and he seems to be like, you know, and you would think too, like playing 81 games, you would think like with his numbers that there was like injuries somewhere or there was like co- he had COVID or something. But no, he just like really struggled, which is fine. Players have that. Um, but it was like a breath of fresh air to see him in those last, I'll say, 20 games um where he really picked it up and like you started seeing like the reasons why we included him in this trade with for Patrick Line like he can be a very valuable piece to this team when he's on his game it's when he's not on his game that like really becomes the issue so i think as we said before that he did just sign a two year contract extension and i think and i have it written in my little notes that says like I firmly believe that the next two years will be used for him to prove that he can find a more consistent game and to fall into a role with this team and I think if we don't see that then he will definitely like he's gonna be kind of like Max Domi and he's gonna become this like piece that we use to you know find someone else but I hope because you know, one of the big reasons why people love Jack is because he's a hometown kid, like born and raised in Columbus, came up through the entire, like all the levels of Columbus hockey. Um, And he's really passionate about playing for his hometown team. And that's something that we need as we continue to grow this market in Columbus. And so I would love to see him stay. So I hope that over the course of these next two years that he finds his confidence fully 
and can find a more consistent game so we can keep him around hopefully for longer. Yeah, without a doubt. I think he's going to play a really pivotal role. I hope he starts the season in the top six. I can see that for him for sure. And it's going to be really important that he does because we don't know how some of these players are going to develop. We don't know if a player like Kent Johnson is going to end up developing into the center that we hope he might. And I know that we're very comfortable with him playing wing with how skilled he is. But it's one of those things where you just hope that you have as much center depth as humanly possible. And obviously having him there in that equation would be huge. So uh, it's grade time. That's hard for me too, right? Because like my grades, like started the season, my expectations for Jack Rosovic far different than when we did these projections, right? Like, and I think you could probably assume that based on like, on just listening to the show. If you've been around for a minute, I, if you talk to me about the beginning of the season expectations, I mean, I think it ends up kind of being like on, on par right like a c plus if you talk about where where he was at you know the midway point when we did these projections like man like my expectations were pretty low and so for him to wrap up the season the way that he did like it's an a right like i mean like because it's now created question on whether or not you know like what he, what his role is going to be like for the better it's a little bit opposite i think of like the conversation we had about eric robinson where it was like, now I don't know what his role on the team is. Well, now with Jack, I'm excited about his role potentially being here in the top six and, and potentially having the opportunity to create some really meaningful offense. So um, C plus A is <laughs> my final grade. Yeah, I, I can see where you came to that conclusion. Um, he Jack sort of reminds me of like the kid that you have in in class where it's like halfway through the semester or like ha- like we'll use semesters because that's the terminology you and I use frequently halfway through the semester and like they're at a solid D and you're like bro like you're not like you're not gonna pass this class if you don't like get your shit together and start turning in your assignments and start like paying attention in class like all these sorts of things, like conversations I had with students for many, many years when I was working in higher education. And, you know, what I think is the most meaningful is like when that student or in this case, Jack Rothbick, because I'm assuming that someone had a conversation like this with him. But when they like really take that and run with it and they like decide that, you know, hey, I'm worth it. I'm worth the effort. And I'm worth feeling good about my performance and feeling good about the part I play on a team. Um, and I want to work hard and I want to do my best. And he really did that. And he took the last half of the season and, you know, really grew to what we were expecting from him in the beginning of the season. Um, so I'm going to start with midseason D, end of the season B minus. Love it. Love it. Thank you for coming along with my journey of giving him two grades. I feel like whenever we both decide we're going to cheat the system, it's usually better for both of us. So I appreciate you doing that. But, uh, well, this show is probably after we splice it in already about an hour and 15 minutes, but, uh, the Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley cup. 
That's really exciting. Woo! I'm really happy about it. Former Blue Jackets, Jack Johnson and Ryan Murray winning Stanley Cups. So good on them. And congratulations, even if they did break the damn cup again. Uh, so congratulations are in order, I suppose, to the St. Louis Blues for being the last team to not fuck up the Stanley Cup. But yeah, uh, shout out to them for that. That's awesome. So we get to go watch uh, the NHL defending champs, defending Stanley Cup champs uh, in Finland this year. So get excited for that. Nothing makes me happier than Tampa Bay losing. Yeah. Um, Another thing that makes me happy, um, our good friend Kelly won our league. Congratulations, Kelly. We owe you some merch. So you'll have to let us know which one you want. But uh, really exciting stuff there for the NHL to be able to finally engrave a name in the Stanley Cup that didn't start with T. That's a big win uh, for, <laughs> for everybody who watches the sport, except for Tampa Bay fans. But all due respect to them, I mean, I don't like them. But what they've done over the last few years is nothing short of impressive. Yeah, you can't, I mean, you obviously can't say that they're not talented and that their system isn't working. It's just, as I've said this whole time, we don't like them because we're Columbus Blue Jackets fans and we have like a history. But like, I think it was nice for all hockey fans to see another, a different team win and a team that had like quite the comeback story, like, you know, hasn't won since 2001, like, had their fans get like really invested and re like energized for like their success and like really worked hard through the playoffs. Um, and it's nice. And I did see a really funny TikTok. I don't remember what the player's name is, but the player that slid in with the cup and broke it when they were taking their um, group picture, his girlfriend is on TikTok and she did this really funny TikTok about like her secondhand embarrassment for being the girlfriend of the guy that broke the Stanley Cup, and it was no, really no. funny. So shout out to her. I don't. I also don't remember what her name was, but it was very funny. So congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche, and I can't wait to see all the weird shit that you eat out of the cup. Ah oh, man, my favorite question to ask. Hopefully, we get to ask that question to a couple of fun guests here coming up. We've got a lot of stuff in store. And you're obviously going to want to stay locked on that so that way you don't miss any of the content that we're putting out. But uh, there's really no better places to do that than the places that Laura is just about to tell you about. So, Laura, let the good people know where they can find us. Absolutely. So you can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at SubjectivelyPod. You can follow us on Facebook at Subjectively Speaking. If you want to see some of the cool merch that Kelly is going to choose from uh, for her prize, and support your two favorite hockey podcasters, you can check out our merch store, subjectivelyspeaking.threadless.com. We've actually been, truly, I can say this now, we've actually been working on the new merch, um, which will hopefully be coming out um, soon uh, that we're really excited about. And so, yeah, and we would just appreciate your support in that. And then lastly, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. If you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll on down, hit five stars. It is our favorite number. And again, we don't know how the algorithm works, um, but however it does, it helps us get noticed (laughs) in the hockey podcast charts and helps to build our little community 
um, that we have here. And Jeremy's mocking me on the video screen because I just know all of, I know your scripts. And so I'm like doing it with you and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. I have taken a lot of pride in being able, I used to stumble over it all the time. And I've taken a lot of pride in the fact that I can now do this in my sleep. Um, but lastly, I said lastly earlier, but lastly for me, I just want to say that um, I know we had a lot of heavy stuff in the beginning of this episode, but that most importantly, that Jeremy and I want anyone who listens to this show or anyone that interacts with us, that we are a welcoming space, that we are an open space, that we are a supportive space, that we will stand with you, we will cry with you, we will fight for you because we're fighting for ourselves as well. Um, and we're fighting for so many people in our lives that we love and we've had, or I've had, and I'm sure Jeremy has too, I've had a lot of um, hard conversations with those people in our lives over the last few days. And, you know, we want to be a positive force in your lives, but we also want you to know that we are here um, and, you know, everyone is welcome with the few exceptions that we made in the beginning. But <laughs> if you are if you are willing to learn, you are welcome here. That's if you're willing to have civil civil conversation, that is a different story. Um but nonetheless, we are here and we love you. That we do. Um folks, we really appreciate you, of course. We'll have good stuff coming out for you next week. So you want to check that out because next week is the NHL draft. So we've We've got a lot of good stuff coming your way. So uh, check out that content. We'll talk about who we think the Jackets might take and all of that fun stuff. So until next time, I hope you take care of yourselves and take care of each other. And we will talk soon.